Section twenty seven of the Fairchild Family. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruhi Huck. The Fairchild Family by Mary Martha Sherwood. The Story in Emily's Book, Part One the little books brought by lucy were not even looked at until the evening came which was to be given up to reading the first of them henry had begged that his book might be read last because he said that he should be sure to like it best so emily's was to afford the amusement for the first evening mr fairchild gave notice in the morning of his being able to give up that evening to this pleasure not that he wished to hear the story but that he meant to be of the party and the root house in the wood was the place chosen lucy and emily had now each a doll to take and there was some bustle to get them ready after lessons henry took his knife and some little bits of wood to cut and carve whilst the reading was going on mrs fairchild took her needlework and there was a basket containing nice white cakes of bread made for the purpose a little fruit a bottle of milk and a cup the little ones by turns were to carry this basket between them mr fairchild took a book to please himself and at four o'clock they set out when they got to the hut they were soon all settled there were seats in the hut henry took the lowest of them mrs fairchild took out her work mr fairchild stretched himself on the grass within sight of his family emily and lucy were to read by turns and lucy was to begin she laid her pretty doll across her lap and thus she began the story in emily's book on the borders of switzerland towards the north in a range of hills of various heights called the Hartsfells, or in English, the Hills of the Deer. These hills are not very high for that country, though in England they would be called mountains. In winter they were indeed covered with snow, but in summer all this snow disappeared, being gradually melted and coming down in beautiful cascades from the heights into the valleys, and so passing away to one or other of the many lakes which were in the neighbourhood the tops of some of the hartsfells were crowned with ragged rocks which looked at a distance like old towers and walls of battlements and the sides of these more rocky hills were steep and stony and difficult others of these hills sloped gently towards the plain below and were covered with a fine green sward in the summer so fine and soft indeed that the little children from the villages in the valleys used to climb up to them in order to have the pleasure of rolling down them these greener hills were also adorned with large and beautiful trees under which the shepherds sat when they drove their flocks up on the mountain pastures called in that country the alps to fatten on the short fine grass and sweet herbs which grew there in the summer time then the flowers who can count the numbers and varieties of the flowers which grew on those hills 
and which budded and bloomed through all the lovely months of spring of summer and of autumn sometimes the shepherds as they sat in the shade watching their sheep would play sweet tunes on their pipes and flutes for a shepherd who could not use a flute was thought little of in those hills it was sweet to hear those pipes and flutes from a little distance when all was quiet among the hills excepting the ever restless and ever dancing waters there were many villages among the hills each village having a valley to itself but there is only one of these of which this story speaks it was called hartsburg or the town of the deer and was situated in one of the fairest valleys of the hartsfells the valley was accounted to be the fairest because there was the finest cascade belonging to those hills rushing and roaring at the very farthest point of the valley and the grooves too on each side of the valley were very grand and old the village itself was built in the swiss fashion chiefly of wood with roofs of wooden tiles called shingles and many of them had covered galleries round the first floor the only house much better than the others was the protestant pastor's though this was not much more than a large cottage but it stood in a very neat garden there were a few but a very few houses separate from this village itself built on the sides of the hills and those belonged to peasants or small farmers in the summer time strangers sometimes came from a distance to look at the famous waterfall and to gather such scarce flowers as they could find on the hills it was a good thing for heister camp the widow who kept the little inn in the village when these strangers came for it not only put money into her pocket but gave her something to talk of she was the greatest gossip in the valley and like all gossips the most curious person also for nothing could pass but she must meddle and make with it and it was very seldom that things were the better for her meddling most of the inhabitants of the village were protestants but there were a few roman catholics and these had a priest an elderly man who was a great friend of heister camp and might often be seen in her kitchen talking over with her the affairs of the village he was called father st gore and he had a small chapel and a little bit of a house attached to it his chapel was less than the protestant church but it looked far more grand within for there was an altar dressed with artificial flowers and burnished brass candlesticks and over it waxen figures of the virgin mary and her child in very gaudy though tarnished dresses and now having described the place and some of the people there is nothing to hinder the story from going on to something more amusing on the right hand of the great waterfall and perched high on the hill was an old house standing in a very lovely and fruitful garden the garden faced the south and was sheltered from the north and east winds by a grove of ancient trees the garden abounded with fruit and flowers and vegetables and there were also many beehives behind the house were several sheds and other buildings and a pen for sheep this house was the property of a family which had resided there longer than the history of the village could tell the name was stolberg 
and the family though they had never been rich had never sought help from others and were highly respected by all who knew them at the time of this history the household consisted of the venerable mother monique stolberg and her son martin a widower and the three children of martin ella jacques and margot ella was not yet fourteen she was a tall girl of her age who had been brought up with the greatest care by her grandmother though made to put her hand to everything required in her station ella was spoken of as the best behaved most modern and altogether the finest and fairest of all the girls in the valley heister camp said that she was as proud and lofty as the eagle of the hills but ella was not proud she was only modest and retiring and said little to strangers jacques was some years younger than ella he loved his parents and sisters and would do anything for them in his power but he was hot and hasty especially to those he did not love margaret was still a little plump smiling chattering child almost a baby in her ways but every one loved her for she was a pet lamb under the eye of the shepherd monique had received her before she could walk from her dying mother and she had reared her with the tenderest care as to martin more need not be said of him but that the wish to please god was ever present with him he had been the best of sons and when his wife died he was rewarded for his filial piety by the care which his mother took of his children and his house monique had had one other child beside martin a daughter who had married and gone over the hills with her husband into france but her marriage had proved unfortunate she had resided at vienne in the south of france and there she had left one child Mita, a girl of about the age of ella when martin heard of the death of his sister and the forlorn state of the orphan he set himself to go to vienne it was winter time and he rode to the place on a little mountain pony which he had but he walked back nearly the whole way having set Mita with her bundle on the horse every one at home was pleased with Mita when she arrived though monique secretly wondered how she could be so merry when her parents were hardly cold in their graves Mita was not however cold-hearted but she was thoughtless and she enjoyed the change of scene and was pleased with her newly known relations and their manner of life little plump baby-like margaret was scarcely less formed in her mind than Mita though Mita was as old as ella and of the two margaret as will be seen by and by was more to be depended on than Mita. margaret when duly admonished on any point could be prudent but Mita could not yet Mita was so merry so obliging and so good-humoured that every one in the cottage soon learned to love her though some of them and especially monique saw very clearly that there was much to be done to improve her and render her a steady character she was quick active and ready to put her hand to assist in anything but she had no perseverance 
she got tired of every job before it was half done and she could do nothing without talking about it as to religious principles and religious feelings her grandmother could not find out that she had any she was so giddy that she could give no account of what she had been taught though monique gathered from her that her poor mother had said much to her upon religious subjects during her last short illness the snow was still thick upon the hills when martin stolberg brought meta to hartsburg so that the young people were quite well acquainted with each other before the gentle breezes of spring began to loosen the bands of the frost and dissolve the icicles which hung from the rocks on the sides of the waterfall during that time poor martin stolberg was much tried by several heavy losses amongst his livestock a fine cow and several sheep died and when the poor man had replaced these he said with a sigh to his mother that he must deny himself and his children everything which possibly could be spared till better days came round again so be it my son and i doubt not but that all is right for if everything went smooth in this world we should be apt to forget that we are strangers and pilgrims here and that this is not our home when monique told ella what her father had said the young girl got leave to go down to the village and when there she went to madame eversil the pastor's lady and having told her of her father's difficulties she asked her if she could point out any means by which she might get a little money to help in these difficulties monsieur eversil though a very simple man was not so poor as many swiss pastors are he had no children and his lady had had money madame wished to assist ella whom she much loved but she rather hesitated before she said to her i have been accustomed to have my linen taken up to the wash to be washed and bleached upon the mountains every summer the woman who did this for me is just gone out of the country if you will do it you will gain enough during the summer to make up for the loss of the cow but are you not above such work as this ella they say of you that you are proud is this true the bright dark eyes of ella filled with tears and she looked down upon the polished floor of the parlor in which she was talking with madame eversil i know not madame she answered whether i am proud or not but i earnestly desire not to be so and i thank you for your kind proposal and as i am sure that i know my grandmother's mind i accept it most joyfully it was then settled that madame eversil should send all the linen which had been used during the winter to be washed and whitened and scented with sweet herbs up to the hill as soon as the snow was cleared from the lower alps and ella went gaily back to tell her grandmother and meeta what she had done they were both pleased meeta loved the thoughts of any new employment and monique promised her advice and assistance even jacques when he came in said he thought he might help also in drawing water and spreading the linen on the grass and i said little margaret can gather the flowers to lay upon the things can't i ella so this matter was settled and everyone in the family was pleased 
the winter at length passed away the cascades flowed freely from the melting snow the wind blew softly from the south the grass looked of the brightest freshest green and every brake was gay with flowers amongst which none were more beautiful or abundant than the rose-coloured primrose or the blue gentian the sheep which had been penned up during the winter were drawn out on the fresh pastures and strangers began to come to the valley to see the waterfall near to which they climbed up by the sheep path which ran just under the hedge of martin stolberg's garden even before may was over jacques who was all day abroad on the hills watching his sheep counted eight or nine parties which came in carriages to the inn and climbed the mountain on foot heister camp was quite set up by the honour of receiving so many noble persons in her house and still more pleased in pocketing the silver she got from them there was great benefit also to father st Gore from the coming of these strangers for he never failed to drop in just about the time that the guests had finished their dinner and was always invited to taste of any savoury dish which remained to which heister generally added a bottle of the ordinary wine of the country things were being carried on in this sort of way when one morning in the beginning of june margaret and meeta and jacques went higher up the hill towards the waterfall to gather sweet herbs and flowers to strew upon the linen that was spread on the sward before the cottage door margaret could not reach the roses which grew above her head so she busied herself in plucking the wild thyme and other lowly flowers which grew on either side of the path putting them into a little basket and calling out from one moment to another see jacques see see meeta see how pretty but meeta and jacques were too busy to attend to her for meeta had climbed on a huge piece which had fallen from the rock and was throwing wreaths of roses to jacques who was gathering them up but at length it was impossible for them not to give some attention to the little one she was calling them with such impatience come jacques come meeta she cried i found such a pretty little green fishing net all spotted with moons and it has got rings pretty gold rings and there are yellow fish in it and she quite stamped with eagerness what does she say cried meeta little magpie what is it a pretty little net replied margaret and fish in it and moons and rings oh come come she has found something strange said jacques i hope nothing that will hurt her and down he came tumbling in his own active way straight to his little sister being quickly followed by meeta margaret was holding up what she had found crying pretty 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 for it was quite bright and sparkling in the sun it is a purse said jacques a green silk purse added meeta with gold spangles and tassels and gold rings and it is full of louis d'ors give it to me margaret no 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 cried the little girl no it is for grandmother i shall take it to her it is a valuable purse said jack somebody has lost it now grandmother will be rich let me see it margaret let me see what is in it no 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 
no cried the little one clasping it in both her dimpled hands you shall not have it it is for grandmother only let me carry it to the door said jack for fear you should drop anything out of it and when you come to the door i will put it into your own hands jack never said what was not true to margaret and margaret knew it she therefore was content to give the purse to him and the three then set off to run home as fast as they could they supposed that no one had seen them when they were talking about the purse but they were mistaken father same gore was not far off though hidden from them by a part of the rock which projected between them he heard margaret cry and talk of having found a net and golden fish in it but when meeta and jack came near to the child he could hear no more because they spoke lower than before he had heard enough however and when he went back to the village he told heister camp what he had seen and made her more curious than himself to find out what it could be though she felt pretty sure that it must be a purse of gold how astonished was monique when little margaret put the purse in her lap for she was sitting at work just within the door meeta could not let margaret tell her own story but raised her voice so high that martin himself from one side and ella from another came to see what could have happened they came in just in time to see monique empty the purse and count the golden pieces there were as many as fifteen on the side of the purse and on the other was a ring with a precious stone in it and four pieces of paper curiously stamped martin stolberg saw at once that these pieces of paper were worth many times the value of the gold for he or any man might have changed them for ten pounds each son said monique margaret found this near the waterfall it must have been lost by some of the visitors it is a wonder that we have heard of no one coming to look after it what can we do with it buy a cow father said jack martin stolberg shook his head it is not ours jack he said though we have found it we must keep it honestly for the owner should he ever come to claim it father said jack i was not thinking or i hope i should not have said those words i know you spoke hastily jack replied martin and then having given margaret a few little pieces of copper money as reward for her giving up the little net to her grandmother he took his venerable parent by the hand and led her into an inner room where they settled what was to be done with the purse martin said that the children must all be seriously enjoined never to mention the subject because many dishonest persons might if they could get at the description of the purse and its contents come forward to claim it and thus it might be lost to the real owner but he added lest i should be tempted to use any of the money for myself i will take the purse down to-morrow to the pastor's and leave it in his care where it is however must not be known even to the children lest we should bring inconvenience upon them in the meantime dear mother do you stow the treasure safely away and charge the young ones not to mention what we have found to any one martin then left the house and monique going up to the room where she slept and where the great family chest was kept 
called all her grandchildren and letting them see where she put the purse she charged them one and all not to speak one word to any person out of the house about the treasure which had been found why must not we grandmother said margaret because replied monique if any thieves were to hear what that we had got so much money in the house they might come some time when your father was out and break open the chest and steal it and perhaps they might kill us replied margaret trembling all over we must not speak of it then said ella to any one our best way remarked jack will not be to mention it to each other we will never speak of it how can we help it said meeta i can never help talking of what i am thinking about that is a mistake of yours meeta said monique you never talk of some things which happened at vienne which you think would be no credit to you you mean about our being so very poor and being forced to sell our clothes grandmother i don't think that i should go to talk of that to strangers then you can keep some things to yourself meeta said monique and we shall not excuse you if you are so imprudent as to let out this affair of the treasure we have found to any one don't fear me grandmother returned meeta nobody shall hear from me but we must watch little margaret the same evening martin stolberg carried the purse and all the contents down to the house of the good pastor he gave as his reason for so doing that being himself somewhat pressed for money he did not dare to trust himself with this treasure end of the story in emily's book part 1